Hey everyone, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place on the internet to follow the world of men's professional volleyball in today's episode. We will be talking about the domestic league playoff games that took place over the weekend in Italy, Poland, and a bit of Russia, as well as the special segment for today, talk about national team impact players for the upcoming VNL and Olympics and European Championships and everything going on. Players that I think will be a big part of national team seasons that maybe weren't really that important in 2019. Because remember, that's two years ago since we've really had a national team season. So lots can change in between then and now. So stick around if you want to listen to that. First, we have our recaps. But either way, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Let's start off in Italy where we had two five-setters to kick off the semifinals in the Italian League, which is, you know, great, great way to start off the playoffs. First, we had Perugia versus Monza on the 27th. And yeah, I I was kind of surprised this one went the distance. Um, I guess maybe Perugia hasn't been playing that well recently. And Monza did beat a fairly good team in Vibo Valencia in the quarterfinals. But I definitely saw this as the weaker of the two semifinal matchups. But Monza did take Perugia the distance. Took till 15-12 in the fifth set for Perugia to get it through. Some lineup switching from both teams in this one. For Perugia, Vital Heinen started with Teister Horst, the Dutch outside hitter, playing opposite position as he has all year. Was struggling a little bit in that position in the first three sets, hitting six for... 7 for 16 with 3 errors. Then in came Machi Muzai, the Polish opposite, who played a lot better, playing, uh, hitting 7 for 12 with a couple clutch blocks in there as well. So good win for Perugia. A little, I, I don't know, I'm a little concerned, guys, about Ole Plotnitschki, though. I feel like over the last month, he really hasn't been playing that well. Really struggled in this one, hitting 11 for 28 with 6 errors. So uh, 5 for 28 efficiency, you guys do the math. Not that great for Ole Plotnitschki. Also, I feel like he's lacking a little bit of confidence in serving too, which I think is like the main thing for him. I mean, Ole Plotnitschki, you could probably find guys who, I mean, at least at this extremely elite level who are better receivers and attackers. But what Ole Plotnitschki gives you in service is what really puts him over the edge and why he's on a team like Perugia. But without that in this game, one ace, four errors, 14 total serves. Not the greatest for a five-setter. So, yeah, between the Champions League loss and now not playing well here, I don't really know what the solution is for Plotnitschki, but I don't know. Maybe uh, Teister Horst should get maybe a couple looks, an outside hitter. I'm not sure, guys. A bit of a tough one for Vitil Hainan, but definitely Ole Plotnitschki has uh, played the whole one in this one. I mean, still passed fairly well, so at least he's providing value there. And you can obviously always rely on Wilfredo Leon. Uh, he he definitely bounced back in this one after the last game playing fairly uh, weekly. Now hitting 19 for 32 with only two errors. So yeah, uh, back back to the normal Leon level with with five aces as well. So yeah, no, no worries from him. On the side of Monza, we saw Max Holt back, which is great news. Uh, played the fourth in the fifth set. Maybe still not 100% healthy, but was taking a lot of serves. Uh, hit six times, served 12 times, 
scored six points, so obviously he would be a huge asset to the team if he's able to be healthy. Adesla Gumja, incredible game, looked pretty unstoppable out there uh, against a fairly good uh, Perugia block defense, hitting 20 for 33 with only four errors and getting a couple nice blocks in there as well. So Monza, as they have all season, relying on Legumja a lot for their offense. But actually, Donovan Zavaronic had had more attacking attempts in this one. Uh, don't really agree with the set distribution for Marduna, but I, I, I don't think I ever have on that one. And then Felipe Lanza. Uh, didn't look as bad in the game, but uh, looking at the stat line after, 11 for 27 with 8 errors. Uh, almost negative efficiency for Mr. Lanza. Uh, he's definitely, I mean, if Lanza has a halfway average decent game, they win this one. So that's that's a tough one from for uh, the Italian outside hitter. And they're really going to need him to play better like he did in that deciding game in against Vibo Valencia. I really think this was the game that Monza needed to win. If they had got this one, that would have made the series interesting. But I don't think you get you're going to get another opportunity like that against Perugia. On the other side, we had a great one, really fantastic match between uh, Lube and Trentino. Really looked like this was going Lube's way for a lot of the match, but uh, Trentino came back kind of uh, in the fourth, in the fifth set there with the Lube Civitanova leading at the start of both of those. This was a very long game, two and a half hours, some great rallies, great defense, including a fantastic clip. I posted on my Instagram with Dick Coy digging the ball with his foot. Ricardo Lucarelli running into the stands, bump setting it back to Namir for a very unprepared Lube Civitanova defense. Yeah, not not the prettiest game, but but very exciting one, I would say. Uh, Trentino was unstoppable in the middle between Sreko Lizanac and Marco Pedrashin, and actually um, Lube Civitanova was pretty good there as well. It seemed like both teams' middles were, were kind of feasting on each other uh, with Robert Landy Simone hitting 11 for 14 with four aces, which is pretty wild. But also on the other side, uh, Lizanach 7 for 8, Pedrashnin 7 for 11. So you can tell how talented these middle blockers are, especially offensively. They get any kind of opening, and they are going to score fantastic stuff from them. And uh, Luciano De Cecco and Simone Gianelli, some rough games from a couple of the outside hitters, though. Yoandi Leal looked terrible in this one, to be honest. Nine for 30 with eight errors. Again, almost even worse than Felipe Lanza there. One for 33% efficiency. Rough from him, and they still went to him a lot. I mean, the passing was not that great for Luigi Ftanova. They struggled against a pretty strong Trentino serve, including an iconic serving run by Ricardo Lucarelli to end the game. That, that was really fun to watch there in the fifth set. Dicheco was forced to go to Yoandi Leal a bunch and out of system. And yeah, Leal was really struggling against some of those Trentino triple blocks, which to be fair are huge and really scary. But uh, yeah, not great from Leal. On the other side, Juan Torina had a very good game. 16 for 28 with a couple aces in there as well. But yeah, overall, just I mean, this is a matchup that we hadn't seen that much this season. All the games that we saw were 3-0 sweep, so it was good to see a tight game between Lube Civitanova and Trentino. Very excited for this series. Big win for Trentino. I would definitely consider them the favored team after that first match, after coming back 
Definitely felt like Lube had a very good chance to win 3-1 in this one and then kind of slipped away from them uh, in the end there. We also saw Micheletto struggle a little bit in this one. I think I said on an earlier podcast that I think that the team that's playing Trentino should try and single out Micheletto as much as possible, him being a less experienced and not as savvy player being so young. And yeah, he struggled in this one, four for 15 attacking, did not uh, pass that well either, probably should have even targeted him more in that aspect, and then taken out for Dick Coy several times there, especially in the front row. So we'll see what happens in the next one. It seems like a lot of the substitutions in this match were uh, Micheletto for Coy. See if that continues. And yeah, just very generally excited for the rest of the series. And yeah, <laughs> Ricardo Lucarelli, definitely, definitely deserving MVP in this one for the absolutely clutch play at the end. So I'll briefly go over where we stand in the Polish and Russian league playoffs. Won't go into the games really that much here though. Uh, so three of our four series are decided in Poland. We have Grupa Azoti, Zaksa Kedzierz, and Kozle beating Suwaki a little closer maybe than I would have thought. Suwaki taking sets in both those matches. But moving on to the semifinals where they will play Skral, Belchatov taking care of Rosovia. So that, you know, finally we have a Skraw versus Belchatov. We saw it a couple times, obviously, through the season and also in the Champions League. They were in the same pool. Zaxa definitely is the better team right now. Definitely looking a lot better. But I still maybe would consider Skraw the second best team in Poland. So this is going to be a very exciting matchup, especially with Taylor Sander just absolutely destroying people right now. Then we have Yastrzemski Vegil beating Zavierci and yeah, pretty lopsided playoff matchup. Not really much to say here. Zavierci overperformed, I would say, quite a bit getting to this point in the playoffs. I thought they were a weak, weaker team than they were last year and managed to have a very good start of the season. Maybe take advantage of some some injured and uh, sick teams to get a better record. But yeah, definitely exposed towards the end there. And then Treble Gdansk and Versava, we have a tiebreaker match after a really back and forth one between Versava and Gdansk on Saturday went to five sets with Versava winning 15-13 in that pivotal fifth set Bartosz Folek the leading scorer in this one for Versava with 24 points and Marysh Vlajli still got it <laughs> he's having a bit of a bounce back season if you guys hadn't noticed uh, scoring 25 on 21 for 43 hitting with the much improved Bartosz Lipinski also pouring it in with 23 points for Gdansk. German outside hitter Moritz Richard not doing too well in this one after winning MVP in the first match only hitting 8 for 25 with 4 errors. Overall I still probably like Rosava to win this matchup in the third third match. If you guys have listened to the podcast I'm a little bit baffled by Gdansk. I mean I see it more Definitely now, given watching so many games. I mean, they have very good libero and uh, Olin Derek. Pablo Quer is playing great. Uh, Bartosz Lipinski is obviously very much improved since last year. Marriage Vlajli, bounce back season. Marcin Janas, great setter, one of the best setters in Poland right now. So to a certain extent, I understand why they're doing well. But still, I still see the lineup on Versava with that middle pairing of Novakovsky and Rona with Bartosz Szolak playing like one of the best players in Poland this year. 
and yeah, I don't really understand it why uh, why this series is as close as it as it is, but we'll see. I, I do expect Grisava to win on Wednesday and uh, and give uh, Yastrzemski Vegil should be a pretty good series. E even if Gdansk makes it, we'll we'll have a good series. So we'll see. In Russia, we are almost done. The first stage of the playoffs. Just one series still has a deciding third game to play, kind of like in Poland, and that's between Fekulnovi Uringoy and Niv Nizhny Novgorod, taking place on Wednesday. Novgorod actually taking it pretty hard to Fekulnovi Uringoy, winning a 3-0 pretty decisive victory in their second game. Denis Petros, the Latvian setter, Dmitry Vietsky, the Ukrainian opposite, having a great season in Russia. Really taking it to Novi Uruguay. However, they were missing one of their very key pieces for this season, the outside hitter, Dennis Bogdan. That one really hurt. No one really comparable they can put next to uh, Dmitry Volkov. They missed his presence at the net for sure. We'll see if they can bounce back in the deciding third match. I mean, they played decently in this one despite missing Bogdan. So, going to be tough. I do think they are still... Probably the more talented team, though. The other close ones were Zenit St. Petersburg taking five sets to beat Samolter. Again, Zenit St. Petersburg pretty banged up, still missing key players. However, we did see Oral Camejo play the entire one. We we obviously we saw him during the CV Cup last week as well. So he seems to be back and healthy and ready to play. So you know, if, if Zenit St. Petersburg, they're on to the next round. If they can finally get uh, Victor Politaev back. They're right back there as a very strong elite team, obviously with Brizard and Yakovlev and Kliuka, uh, Pashitsky and the rest of the team. And the other tight match in the uh, second round of matches here was Lokomotiv Novosibirsk beating Earl Ufa 3-2. So th this is actually the matchup I probably suspected to be the closest out of all these. And this game was close, but the overall matchup I wouldn't say was that close. It did take Novosibirsk till 18-16. In the fifth set to win this one, though, and I mean at this point it's just the uh, it's just the draws in Lubrich show getting 47 attempts in this one, uh, hitting 27 of those terminally three aces. He's been I think the best server in Russia by far this year, and this team has some other firepower with Marko Ivovich and Ilyas Kurikave. So I'm a little surprised they rely so heavy heavily on draws in Lubrich, but I guess yeah, Marko Ivovich. Probably not the same offensive player he was a few years ago. We also saw the young Russian setter Konstantin Abeyev benched for Igor Tisevich in this one. And I don't know, I really like Abeyev. I think he's one of the future setters of Russia, but I guess they wanted the experience uh, in this one and it worked out for them. He won the game, so can't really complain about that. And for those of you who don't know, we have kind of a weird system in Russia where we're actually going to have two, three team round robin pools to decide the finalists in this one so as you know moscow kamarovo is the top two seeds didn't play in that first qualifying stage so they will be the heads of the pools and will be joined by zenit st petersburg zenit kazan locomotive novosibirsk and then whoever wins between novirangoy and novgorod so we'll see it's it's kind of an interesting system so keep your eyes peeled in russia maybe talk about the pools once we Know that deciding game on Wednesday. 
All right, so that's it for the pro recap for today's episode. Now on to the special segment. We are going to talk about impact players on national teams for the summer who people may be underrating a bit if they hadn't been following the club volleyball season like I'm sure many of you have or but maybe some of you you know haven't been following it as closely haven't been listening to the podcast every week and are unaware of some of these players that are probably going to be playing way more important roles in the VNL and the Olympics and the European Championships so I'm not going to spend too long on each player just one kind of per team here. I think I have like uh, 15-ish guys. And just give a brief reasoning as to why I think they will be more important. So let's start off with a pretty obvious one here. Ivan Yakovlev, who I've already mentioned this episode and in, in very often over the past season. He has been absolutely dominant in the Russian league the past couple seasons. I'm not sh- entirely convinced on this one because, you know, people probably know him from 2019 VNL where he played a pretty important role, but I don't think people realize like how good he is. He he probably has an argument for being the top middle blocker in Russia right now. Yes, even above Mazursky, above Vlasov, above Kirkev, above all those guys. I think Ivan Yakovlev, he, he, to me, he looks incredible out there, incredibly mobile, incredibly bouncy, stretchy really smart, developing his game sense a lot more, and he is going to be dangerous this summer. And I I just can't believe Russia has this insane depth at middle blocker position. Another obvious guy, if you listen to the podcast at all or any of my other content, Alessandro Micheletto in Italy. Seems like the Italian national team has found their future second outside hitter to go next to Juan Torreina. Probably wish he was a few years older, a few few more years in the uh, weight room, but if you told me there was a six foot ten outside hitter starting on Trentino who is able to block, serve, and pass dimes, you know, I, I would accept that as an incredible player, even if you didn't tell me his age. And, and obviously the age is the big knock. Is he experienced enough for the Olympics? I'm sure they're gonna test him out a lot during Nations League, see if he's ready for that Olympic stage. But for me, I think they have to. I mean, there's really no one else at the position like Filippo Lanza, Daniele Lavia, Oleg Antonov. I, f- I feel like any of those three guys are much bigger risks to start on the Italian team uh, compared to Micheletto, who in my mind has been way more steady and consistently playing on a higher level than those guys. Next up, I have Eric Lepke from Canada, the outside hitter. And yeah, probably a lot of you guys know who he is already. Uh, a lot of Canadians listening to this podcast, but he has been pretty sensational in his first season in Italy. I mean, he was probably one of the most sure things to come out of North America in a little while and started off reasonably slowly in the first month, but ever since then has been, you know, a pretty strong starting outside hitter. Uh, definitely the best player on Ravenna this year, it seemed. And yeah, got a lot of tricks up his sleeve already for such a young guy extremely powerful effective serve like to see it a little more consistent but i mean definitely a pretty elite player already will he start on canada i don't know it's tough to say with perrin and mar being the two kind of obvious outside hitter guys on canada right now but i think he has a serious argument to be that third guy over hogue and it would be crazy if, if he wasn't the fourth guy if not that another guy here who maybe there's a cheating a little bit with this topic, but Santiago Danani, the Argentinian libero. Yeah, he, he has played a little bit with the World Cup and in VNL in the past, but 
I feel like he's still not really brought up a ton when it comes to like the top elite level liberos in the world. And I think he certainly deserves a place at that table given he's looked like one of the best liberos in Italy for two or three seasons now. You know, I feel like he should have been the starting libero without a doubt on the Argentinian national team for the last few years. Probably even starting in 2018, I, I would have taken him as the main guy. Uh, Gonzalez, I believe, was the starter there, which even at the time was confusing. But now, you know, now Denani, there, there's no argument for anyone else as the libero on Team Argentina. And he's going to be a really big asset for them. You know, maybe to make a little noise this summer. Maybe might be tough at the Olympics, but I think uh, certainly maybe at, at VNL they can, they can beat some good teams. Next guy is having an incredible season in France. A bit of a bounce back year for him. Taylor Averill, the American middle blocker, been you know one of the best players in France. Not even just as a middle blocker, like one of the most effective scorers from any position, averaging like three points per set on well well above sixty percent hitting. So he's been having a fantastic season with Khan, and whew, it's it's going to be a tough one at the Olympics. I mean, Smith and Holtz, yeah, okay, they're the top two middles in America right now, but that third spot, with especially with Jendrick uh, being benched, and, and, you know, I do think there's more to the Jendrick's poor play than meets the eye, but Taylor Averill as the third middle blocker on the U.S. Olympic roster is definitely not out of the question and, and you know may even be the most likely scenario which i would have no way thought uh, a year ago where he was you know rehabbing that injury and you know pretty much had himself completely out of the u.s national team system it seemed like for a little while there another guy who you probably know if you've been following italy or have watched some of my youtube videos but uh asparu asparov the bulgarian outside hitter the young one has, has taken another step this year for sure playing a leading role for Verona in Italy. And yeah, they didn't have the best season ever, but uh, Asparov has definitely taken the step this year from prospects, guy who you kind of uh, gave playing time, but you, you knew wasn't going to be effective, but you had him on your team because you knew his potential was high to an actual strong player. And yeah, this year he's been playing very well. And I think between him and Martina Tanisov, you got a pretty nice pair of starting outside hitters very very physical athletic guys uh, on bulgaria the next few years so excited to see this next generation of bulgarian guys because i feel like the older generation has, has maybe been overstaying their welcome a little bit there other than sokolov so sokolov's been great slovenia is playing in nations league this year so i think it's appropriate here to mention uh rock mozic who you've probably again you probably know i made a video about him on top prospects in the world and i think he definitely belongs in that conversation he plays outside hitter which is unfortunate because i feel like if he was an opposite you know i i would consider starting him over tonchek stern given the uh, horrid season that stern has had there in italy but no he's, he's probably going to play behind uh tina and out and clemence bulge this year but i think there's a chance he gets quite a bit of playing time in the starting lineup in, in nations league given that uh i don't know well tina and out I know he's part of the roster already that uh, Coach Giuliani announced, but I don't know. I'm still not convinced uh, that he will be fully joining for Nations League, and I don't think we still know 100% how the rosters are going to work there. You know, if Tina, if they just select 14 players to go, and those are your 14 players, if Tina are out, how much he's going to play. But I definitely expect a lot more people to know who Rock Mozic is after this summer than they did before. 
Another one, easy one. Don't have to talk about this one a lot. Camille Semenik on Poland. You know, there's guys out there. There's lots of fans out there who only watch YouTube, who only watch FIVB tournaments. You probably don't know who Camille Semenik is. Of course, if you've watched any club volleyball this year, he has been almost like the biggest name entirety of club volleyball. Could win Champions League MVP for sure. Uh, just had an absolutely sensational season. Took a huge step like the last three years. So now he's, he's getting into like unbelievably high territory. He's part of the Polish national team roster already announced by Vitel Hainan and, you know, given his play recently. I mean, if he, if he keeps this up throughout the national team season, I would put him on the Olympic roster for sure. I mean, he, he completely outplayed Bartosz Bednors in that Champions League semifinals matchup. And, and he's, he's just such a complete player. He, he's looked great in every aspect of the game. A player who will probably see a lot more on the German national team this summer, Linus Weber, the German opposite, who's kind of been like this big touted prospect the last couple of years. So kind of like Asparov, I feel like he took the step this year from a guy we knew was going to be good but still wasn't there yet to being a legit positive value player. Uh, kind of looks like the next opposite coming through this system, uh, replacing obviously your Grosier, the legendary German opposite played a big role on Friedrich Schaffen, who's who's still in the hunt in the German league playoffs right now, uh, being their go-to scorer the entire season. Done a very good job for them. Uh, played quite well in Champions League too. Not obviously not well enough to get through Trentino, but but still competed against guys a lot older, more experienced than him. You can see the development is starting to pay off, and uh, you know I'm excited to see where Linus Faber ends up after after this year. For the French national team, who's going to have a big summer, this is probably the last Olympic run that this group can make. But a big part of that run is going to be Barthelemy Chin and Yes, who, you know, definitely was featured in the last few VNLs uh, and the World Championships a little bit. But he is now a much more dynamic, complete, savvy player than he was when fans last saw him play for the French national team. He's playing an incredible role for Vibo Valencia in their in their very strong season. Developed a new spin serve, a lot smarter in the block. And I would put him probably as the best blocker or best middle blocker in France this year over Kevin LaRue and Nicolas Goff. Chin and Yez is the, the guy I'm going to have, if I was the coach, you know, locking down as the one starter. And then between Kevin LaRue and, and Legoff, one of those guys going to be the second guy. So yeah, that's, I would say that's, Quite an improvement on where he was uh, in VNL 2019. And I'm excited to see Chin and Yez in the French national team. It's going to be a defining summer for them, for sure. A Brazilian player who maybe not everyone knows about. I was thinking of putting Darlin Souza here, who is leading the Brazilian league in points. That's Alan Souza's little brother. But I feel like the Brazilian opposite position is probably a little too packed right now for someone like someone as young as him to... Uh, breakthrough but I think it's going to be Enrique Honorato a undersized Brazilian outside hitter kind of like a Bartosz Folek type player who's a really good passer really smart strong hitter physical guy uh, leading Brazil in aces per set this year and you know hitting at 55 percent you know I think the Brazilian stats are a bit inflated this year given there's so many poor teams because uh, quite a few teams folded but still very impressive season from Honorato playing for Fiat Minas. And I think for sure people will see him a bit uh, in VNL. Questionable for Olympics. I mean, you have Lucarelli, 
Yoandi Leal and Mauricio there. So that's three pretty much locks. But I think there's an outside chance you could see Honorato maybe above Doug Souza as that fourth outside hitter in Brazil. In my last entry on this uh, national team impact list, the already mentioned in this podcast, Drazen Lubric, because even though Serbia didn't make the Olympics, they still have a title to defend in the European Championships and also taking part in VNL, where they really have nothing to lose uh, given they're not playing in the Olympics. So they need a starting opposite, and Alexander Tenasevich still not really healthy. As you guys obviously know, not playing in Perugia, they're forced to go with uh, inferior options. So there's going to be a gap in the starting opposite. And, and Drazen Lubrich obviously has, has been there before, played a big role in many important matches for the Serbian national team. But I think we'll just be the starter the entire summer if Atanasevic isn't healthy. Maybe if he's okay by the European Championship, that switches. But Drazen Lubrich has been having a monster season in Russia this year. So... I think that spot is his to lose right now. And I think maybe some fans will be surprised by, by how easily that spot will go to Lubrich, given everything that's happened this season. So I hope you guys enjoyed that segment. Obviously, there will be lots more national team coverage before we get into Nations League and the Olympics. Of course, we're all just itching, ready to go to see these national teams battle it out. It feels like it's been so long since that 2019 VNL and World Cup. And I'm, I'm definitely ready for it. I'm excited for it. We'll, we'll see. There's going to be so many new players, new faces, new scenarios. Very excited for that. But of course, we still have lots of club volleyball left to play. I feel like I didn't even mention the fact that we have our super finalists, <laughs> Zaxa, Kedzirj, and Kojle versus Trentino taking place May 1st in Verona so lots of club volleyball still to be played and then of course the legendary Vakif Bank versus Canaliano the matchup that we've all been looking forward to all year on the women's side excited for that one as well anyway guys hope you enjoyed the podcast watching some very intense matches this weekend a couple clutch games taking place this Wednesday and have a good week <laughs>